there's been um, research put out lately, and it's getting more and more, uh, let's say, reinforced by further research about the brain, yeah, and how the brain produces a sense of self. Mental process, and there's a period in what you would call your life, like when you were a young kid, like when you were born to be, I don't know, a year and a half or whatever, that the uh, the selfing, that activity of the mental process, wasn't dominant, so there was no sense of being a you yet. Yeah, it was just whatever contact with life going on. And then after about a year and a half, I think the the baby starts recognizing its mother as an other, and then they get a sense of being a self. So for a long period of time, it's living here as if that's all there is is here, and not a here and a there, yeah? not a me and an other. And yet we seem to have grown into that sense. And now that sense of being a self, and it's a really nice way of putting it, because it's not just thinking that you're a self. That's how the sense of it is reinforced. The sense of it is like a feeling, almost like a physical feeling, yes? That it's just when something happens, you feel like you were the doer of it, yeah? It's just a feeling. It's not just a thought that I'm the doer, but there's a feeling, and that feeling is is sort of like a... is like like an interpretational pavement that's been set already, and then... Most of the time, our mind, as us, travels over that pavement. So there's a feeling of being a self, and that is totally rooted in being the doer, yeah? The doer and the haver. And that most times when we're introduced to anything here, yeah, after that period of time, two on, it's more about learning, yeah? So let's say uh, you get a feeling that you, you have to get better, and so that idea of entertaining, see it's very difficult to entertaining that you are okay, but there's a lot of entertaining that you may be able to get better, yeah? And that pursuit of getting better is expressed in a modality called doing and having, yeah? So you think, all right, I'm going to get the books, I'm going to read the spiritual books, I'm going to start doing something that is deemed to be spiritual, like meditation or yoga or whatever, and in so doing that, I'll produce an effect yeah, on me, which will cause me to become spiritual, let's say, if that's the goal. Yeah? If it's about going to school and become educated, you get the books, you go to school, right? you study, you take the tests. So there's a sense of, all right, there's a need or there's a want, and I have, there has to be a doing to go about getting it. Yeah? And then when I have it, it just doesn't end there. I have to reinforce it to keep having it because there's the possibility I could lose it if I stop doing what I did to get it, yeah? Isn't it seemingly the way it goes? So, and where we come from, we can't see it any other way. As soon as we entertain that, oh, there's a need, that means I've got to do something usually, yeah? And let's say if we apply it to, like, moving that chair, it will work. I'll see, hey, I don't like that chair where it is, yeah? I'm going to get up, move it, and then, all right, now I have a clear vision of the sky, yeah? And it's fine, maybe, in a lot of activities here, but it doesn't work when it's applied to spirit in a weird way, yeah? In a sense, this is just an opinion. Hopefully you'll find out yourself. But you can't do and have yourself into spirituality, doesn't work, yeah? 
Or just like in, in recovery, we say self can't get out of self. Yeah. So what does that mean? In a way, let's say there's a recognition that something's driving you crazy. Let's say the thoughts in your head, yeah? The thoughts are driving you crazy. The feeling of being the you that's being driven crazy is a product of the mental process selfing. It's producing that sense of being the you that's being driven crazy by something it's calling selfing, yeah? But the real product of the selfing isn't just, you know, the activity of selfing, thinking about you all day. It's the feeling that there's a you, yeah, to be thought about. You know what I mean? So a lot of people will say, oh, this thing, this thinking is driving me crazy. I can't shut my head off. It's on and on and on. I, me, my, all day. I, me, my, all day. But that feeling is built in a sense of that it's doing something happening to you. Yeah? In other words, that activity is impressing or imposing something on you. That's the selfing. Yeah? The feeling that there's a you that's being imposed upon. The feeling that there's a you that's being attacked by the thoughts. Yeah? That's a thought. The feeling of being a you that's attacked by the thoughts. Yes? We're not saying, all right, we got a great method not to be attacked by thoughts. There is no great method for that. There's no real great method just to have all good thoughts and have no bad thoughts come. They don't tend to work, yeah? You may think it works for a while, but it usually turns into the same old, same old. So, because who could say what's good and bad, actually, yeah? One year, a thought that you would call good may be seen as bad the next year. From where? You. The you doesn't change, yeah? There's the one you that's thinking it's having good and bad thoughts. There's the one you that's thinking it did something terrible or it did something great. There's you that's feeling something or not feeling something, yeah? Do you see, like, the oneness of the mental process? It makes up a you that now everything is happening to or happening from, yeah? That's the self thing. Not what's happening, not the flavor of what's happening, but the feeling of it's happening to me, yeah? Just a, a larger way is... There's a sense of living that you could just say is you have a sense that life is happening. Yeah, it's a quite nice way to go. And yet, in the selfing life, the life that is happening is happening to you. That's the selfing. Yeah. So here's life. Life is happening, and then the to you takes bends it and brings it back to this. Yeah. And so now, as soon as life is happening to you, yes, that you which is a thought from a system of thought, what happens? When something's happening to it, it doesn't like it, agitates it, yes? So what happens? The system thinks, yeah? When something happens that's really nice, agitates it, because it's thinking in time, so it says, this something nice may end. And it doesn't want it to end, so that even the good agitates it, because it gets afraid that, oh, this is, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna lose this, the thing that it thinks it has right now. And then the bad, seeming bad, agitates it because it wants to control and get itself out of it, yeah? Which actually does what? It actually reaffirms that it's in something. Have you ever noticed when you have a bad, if you have a quote unquote problem, and you go home and think about it, it spawns more problems? Really? If you go home and sit down, you, you shut the phone off, you don't, you know, Yagen Das is kept in the freezer, you don't, you put the Netflix away, 
and you just sit there, I'm going to think about this situation. What happens? <laughs> it produces a lot more angst than the situation was producing before you thought about it, you see? So when you put a failed system onto a situation, it's going to inherently fail. Yeah? So in recovery, recovery is incredible, that book, because it shows you some really profound ideas I could never come up with myself. And that is, why do you have so much fear right now? And I would say, I mean, I've been having fear right now for a long time, and I've written thousands of stories about why I have the fear. You, you know what I mean? No money, whatever, you know? But he says, why do you have so much fear? And he doesn't let you say why. It says, isn't it because self-reliance has failed us? So, what is self-reliance? It's a system of thought and interpretation, and it's, the whole system relies on one center, which is self. So, the whole system's validity is based on you being valid as a body. Yeah? Not as a spirit, but as a body. Yes? So, the center of the system is false in a way. You may not possibly be that, Therefore, in that system, a lot of false evidence can appear real. Because the biggest false evidence, you as a body, is appearing real. <laughs> You're taking it to be the case, yeah? So, as soon as you swallow the first falsehood, what does it open you up to? A lot of other falsehoods. So, there's no way to really see false evidence, so it keeps appearing real, to different degrees, yes? So, when it's extremely real, that's called obsession with self. When it's somewhat sealed, real, that's what agitates you to do something. Like smoke, or get loaded, or whatever, yeah? You know what I mean? So the, the false evidence, which is usually about what's not happening, obviously. It's hard to say something, I mean, on a subtle level, you could say something false about here, but on, let's say, the grosser level, it's hard to, while you're sitting here looking at chairs and people, to say, there are no chairs and no people here. I'm in a, I'm in a woods in Nepal right now. And I just got over dysentery, and I'm feeling really shitty. It'd be difficult to buy that, because you're here, you know, you see the room, and you've taken a shit already, and everything like that. But in, in the mental realm, yeah, in the mental realm, you are a body, yes? A body. So here's the body now, and this is the only connection between now and the mental realm. The mind, in selfing, pictures you as a body. If you look at your thought system, and you can look at it because you're conscious. Yeah? There's a consciousness while the thought system's going on, and it's not produced by the thought system. Consciousness is prior to the thought system. That allows you to see the thoughts. Yeah. Now, how we see the thoughts is we believe we're the thinker of them, which is not seeing anymore. You've already fallen under the spell of the system. So, let's say... You're seeing the thoughts, you're seeing the thoughts, but while we're seeing the thoughts, there's a feeling that I'm the thinker of them, yes, isn't it? I mean, obviously, as you're traveling through the day, there's a believer that you're doing your thoughts, I'm the thinker of them. And then there'll be some that will be about you, yeah? So you'll be the object of them. So on, at the same time, the two sides of this coin is, you believe you're the thinker of them, and then, and then you're the object of the thoughts. It's really insane that you can do it both ways. You can be the thinker of the thoughts about them, and then the same system will think about you like a them. 
<laughs> the same system pictures you as a you, but you just call it me. <laughs> you know, that's the only difference. So sometimes I'm thinking about Deb, and I, then my head can think about me just like Deb, as an object, yeah? And yet a lot of times while I'm thinking about Deb, I believe I'm the thinker. And yet the system will think about me, and I'll still think I'm the thinker of that. It's insane, isn't it? It really is. If you can see it, the system thinks about objects. You're an object as a body. So when it's thinking about what you call me, it's thinking about a you, which is a body. Just like I think about a you called Deb, this mind thinks about this you, but it, a part of that thinking process believes it's me. <laughs> That's the bondage to self, yeah? So when someone comes over my house and starts telling me a lot of stuff, they're really afraid about something that's not happening, yeah? Because they're in the room, the central heating's on, nothing's, there's no pit bulls in the house. They're pretty much chilled out, but they're flipping out. So obviously they're reacting to what's not happening, yeah? Because if it was happening, we'd both, both be flipping out, probably. Yeah. If it had a reality, if that thing had a reality of, to provoke an anxiety, both of us would be feeling anxiety. But one of us has total immunity to the situation. The other person is in the throes of a deep, you know, flip out. Why is that? Yeah? Because I have immunity to the thoughts that are called yours. Yeah? So you can talk about your thoughts all day to me. And I may feel compassion and sympathy, but I'm probably not going to go through what you're going through. Yeah? Because I have a distance between them because they're yours. Yeah. <laughs> the same thoughts, though, after I pontificate and act like Solomon to that person, when they leave, my head's doing the exact same thoughts and I'm flipping out. So is it the thought that has the ability to flip you out? Or is it the my of the thought? I think a lot of us, in the pursuit of, let's say, recovery, are misdiagnosing the situation of what's happening. And if you call, if you think you have a cold, but you do have the flu, it doesn't really matter how much cold medicine you take. They have compatible symptoms, but not all of them are the same. You're not going to get a radical relief if there's a misdiagnosis. So if you're taking thoughts, yes, as the ones that are driving you crazy, you're missing the point. It's not the thoughts, humbly. It's the maya. Yeah? It's being identified as the thinker of those thoughts, or the thoughts are about you or your life. That's what's creating or inciting that agitation, not the thought itself, because if you, ha if you hold it as someone else's thought, it doesn't have much effect on you. But the same thought held as mine has a huge effect. So what's really the producer of the effect? It, the thought is just a catalyst, yeah? It's like a chemical, it's like a chemistry set. You're full of old ideas and conditionings, yes? And then things happen out here, and we have contact with them. An example is what we call in recovery a resentment. Yeah? So let's say something happened to me in my past history, the story of Paul, and it scared me, and I felt threatened, yeah? And I had a resentment towards Uncle Joe or whoever it was that was involved in my sister, Marie Neal, my first grade teacher, whatever. Maybe she embarrassed me in front of the whole school, whatever. Who knows? But there's a resentment, let's say. Yeah? So here I am. And you have to realize my, M-Y. So here's a thought. Now it's my thought. Body, my body. Life.
life, my life. Time, my time. Problem, my problem. The my, be it Deb or Paul, whoever it's representing, is actually represents a giant amount of information. That when something happens, yes, let's say a thought goes by, and the way it's held is it's my thought, that my is like a bridge for a lot of meaning that comprises the sense of being Don or Paul to go across the bridge and inject itself into the thought. So what the thought really brings you is really a mirror. There's a projection that you're not aware of that projects on the thought. You don't know it's a projection and you believe you're perceiving the thought. So you believe the thought's driving you crazy. Thought, this thought had a huge wallop, but the wallop is actually a reflection. Yeah? Your, your conditioning injected the meaning into the, into the thought or into the situation. Yeah? That's what a resentment is, is you feel something. So something happens that reminds you of something that once happened, and what occurs is that old, all the old ideas about once, what once happened get injected into what's happening, and you re-feel that old thing. Yeah? Because the same interpretation occurs. Yeah? So where does the interpretation come from? Not that thing isn't bringing me it. If, if that thing could bring me a feeling, but it's actually presenting me the opportunity to re-feel something by my claiming it and injecting it with meaning. Not you. You don't do it. Mine does it, yeah? But the, the bridge for it to occur is the mind. The act of being identified with the thought. Yeah? As soon as the thought becomes my thought, a lot of meaning is injected into that. As soon as the body becomes my body, tons of meaning. And constant uh, reinforcement of meaning all day about this body as being me is unbelievable, yeah? Like the daily glue to keep that bondage yourself adhering is unbelievable. How much perceptual and language bullshit that is taken to be true. It's a huge production. It's like 24-7 propaganda, basically. Yes? And it's all brought to you by the MY. Because the thought isn't really that powerful. It's the, it's, it's the MY of the thought. Yeah? I'm powerful. This mind is incredibly powerful. It can make heaven or hell out of you in this place. That's what it can do. It's whatever meaning it gives to something. Like, you put an alcoholic into heaven, it can be hell in a day. Really. They'll find some fucking fault within themselves. They won't even enjoy it. They'll pray, all I want to do is go to heaven my whole life, but when they get there, they can't enjoy it. Because the, the, the playing God is happening. <laughs> so, <laughs> what one, what's one to do from, to stop this transfer from meaning into thoughts so that I can have somewhat of an immunity to thoughts? There's really nothing you can do. That's the good news. Yeah, Because basically... We're suffering the effects of our own, our mind and self-solutions all day. That's what we are right now. We're suffering the effects of our own solutions to life. Right at this very moment. <laughs> so at this point, is the seeing, maybe, just maybe, I'm not that. I'm not the thinker of these thoughts. Or maybe I'm not the object of these thoughts. Yeah, just maybe. And if that is able to be entertained, you may find out something. You may find out that it's actually true. That you're not the thinker of the thoughts, and they're not about you. And as soon as that becomes relevant, yeah, it produces an immunity to the thoughts. Because now, many of the thoughts are seen as just thoughts. Yeah, not mine. Yeah, 
life is seen as life, not my life. Life is happening now becomes a way of living, not my life is happening to me, which is an interpretation. Yeah? All this occurs just by, just by entertaining I'm not the center of the system because the system relies on the center. Yeah? The center is what gives the thoughts such a juicy feeling. It's not the thoughts. The thoughts, when you see them clearly, they're boring as hell. They've been going the same old, same old that's been coming up in your noggin for a long time. And you can, when you sit with someone sharing their thoughts, you get bored in five minutes, don't you? But you've been sitting there for 30 years listening with great anticipation. When's the, when's the next great thought going to come? <laughs> it's a failed system. But it's a tricky system. Because the system is reliant on the idea of being a self. And the mind is captivated right now in many of us, and we're taking that to be so. So, no matter how unbearable the system gets, we can't entertain being free of it, because we're identified as it. So we get to have to look for seeming, uh, seeming solutions out here, like therapy and group work or whatever it is, to try to get a little relief from the true unbearability of acting like we're something we're not, you know. Yeah? But the mind cannot entertain being free of it because it's identified as it. Yeah? It can't go there. I've watched it. It can't entertain being free of what it thinks it is. It just can't. It tries to get its, you know, so it tries to get a lot of solutions for it, but very few from it. Yeah? One solution from it includes both of it, seemingly you, which is so suicide, which a lot of people get driven to. They never drink again, but they blow their brains out. Yeah. Because that voice is still held to be theirs. They can't have a separation from it. Yeah. They want to entertain being free, but in the system they're entertaining the freedom, it equates to death, because that's the only way I can entertain being free of it, is to stop it. Yeah? How am I going to stop it if it's me? Me's got to end. But if the me isn't you then there's a possibility of truly being free of it. You know? That's what happened to me when I heard this message. I was really working hard to try to civilize this thing and spiritualize it. It was a lot of work. <laughs> it's like a little wild, rabid dog, basically. But I did a lot of meditation, a lot of practices of stuff. And, you know, I had tons of experiences, and I got better. Myself was getting better, Yeah. It was becoming a better self. <laughs> it was like the iron chains were turning into gold chains, but they're both bonding. Yeah? <laughs> the gold chains are better. I'm serious. It's nice. nice you know? But uh, it's still bondage to the idea of being a self. So, and I, you know, no matter how much I practiced, and I was seemingly very sincere. I would travel around India by myself and see people I never saw before and go into big spiritual communities not knowing anybody and staying there a month and listening to the teacher twice a day and doing everything everyone else did. And, you know, I sort of like that kind. It's like a spiritual institution. I do well, just like I thrived in rehabs and stuff. <laughs> I do well when people tell me what to do. <laughs> but uh, nothing radically shifted over years. And no matter how sincere I was, I couldn't see it. I had to be introduced to it some, from some outside source. I went to a meeting similar to this, and someone was sharing this peculiar view, and I sat there and I heard it, and I was like, 
I felt my lens, which was locked into this self-centered thing for so long, I thought this is the only way seeing was, you know. Just went, opened up as a free sample. And it was a pretty amazing event that this thing that seemed to have been locked in place, that there was no adjustment, you know, there was no other apertures, you know. It was just trying to polish this lens better, get different glasses, give it different tints. But suddenly it just went, and I said, fuck it. I felt this unspoken yes, you know, in my gut that I was on to something. And that's been the last answer that I've had to go find so far. The pursuit of answers stopped that, you know, in a couple of weeks after I heard it because I went back and got it reinforced, listened again, and I was entertaining it. And then I could start seeing something was changing because I had a really good opportunity to see it because at that point I was doing these four-step in, uh, workshops in AA recovery. been doing it for like 19, 20 years. So I was doing them every week, and then I'd go around different countries and do them, yeah? So it was a big, you know, I, I was consistently doing these presentations of the fourth step. And when I got this little information, the presentation of the fourth step every week would started morphing into something else. We kept calling it a fourth step workshop, but it wasn't even anywhere near a fourth step <laughs> workshop. And I really wanted to make it a fourth step, but I just, it was like, the horses had been let loose, yeah? I had no say in the matter. So people would come with paper and pencil, no one wrote anything. He's just like, we're getting nice, all right, we'll call it the third step workshop, you know, whatever. But, I, you know, the whole, the, the place I had to sort of uh, share, you know, or present what was going on as me was going through a giant radical shift because what was going on as me had, hadn't shifted at all, actually. It had seen that of what it truly is, yeah? And then it was just attempting to, to in the frame that I was in, which was AA workshops, trying to, you know, present this little idea. Because it was so uh, revolutionary to me, because the farthest I took AA was the root of the problem was obsession with self, yeah? And everyone I ever heard, that's as far as they took it. And then two, some of them had extreme reliance on what they called God, and others had reliances on some kind of spiritual idea. Yeah? And I would see that that extreme reliance was really lighting them up. Yeah? Those guys like Sai P and other people that I really wanted what they had. They were like shining it out. Yeah? And so I worked from that little frame. And then when I had this information dropped in, I saw that when I read the book, every time I saw the word self and how it used to in, how it used to translate, when I read it, translated totally differently. It's like I got a book from Mars, yeah? And I soon self, and it's just whole new downloads would have started occurring about that word self and what it meant to me. And what it meant to me was that it was a foreign installment or a parasite, yes? Or a mental process gone wild. That it wasn't inherently me. It wasn't anything natural in the sense that it was organically what I was, and it would be like cutting an arm off to get rid of it. It wasn't that way, yeah? And so I saw, I'm not that. I am not that. And it says, you've got to be rid of self-centeredness or it'll kill us, yeah? Which, that's what happens. To the highest form you can get rid of it at the end is to kill yourself, in a sense, yeah? Because if it's identified as you, it will persist, as long as you persist, yeah? As long as there's energy in your battery, it will be alive, seemingly, to you. Because it's living off of you. 
It's living off of your juice. I had no fucking idea. I thought it was, I was obsessed with this thing called self. But I didn't see that I is a self. That's the obsession with self, is the sense of being an I. I had no idea of that. So I was always coming to this as the end point, and then suddenly it got shifted to like, like the first page of the book. I was starting like on chapter four, thinking that was the beginning of this manual. Yeah? So I did follow everything it said and still wasn't producing a radical relief. When I entertain I'm not that, that's the first page of the manual. By the way, what's going to be talked about, you're not. <laughs> oh! You mean really? Yes! We're going to describe in great detail what you're not. And by describing what you're not, you may get it that I'm not that. But without that information, every time it's describing what we're not, we're seeing it as something that we're not, and in that seeing it, that's what we are. Exactly what we're calling something called self, we're that. We believe we're an independent, long-lasting, separate entity. What else is self? Yeah. So then I went, oh, so I was doing these workshops. I don't know why I'm getting this tonight, but I might as well go with it. I was doing these workshops, and there was always presenting the fourth step, which is, and I had some really, uh, but after this thing, I went back, and I, there was this one sentence that had a whole new meaning to me, and it says very clearly, being convinced, which means to believe with certainty, yeah? Being convinced that self, yeah, self, manifested in various ways, so there's self, and then there's a period that's come, a manifested in various ways, which is the activity of self. Yeah? So, yeah, is what has defeated us. So it separated the two. There's an us, and then there's self. And it defeats us by manifesting in various ways. Yeah? And if we're convinced of that, we will now look at its, meaning self's, common manifestations. Which means how something appears in one's life, the common ways it appears. And the next paragraph started out with the word resentment. So now I had a revolutionary idea of the inventory process, that it's actually a, an inventory process on something that is not you. You're going to look at self's expressions in your life, and you're going to see, by seeing and telling the truth about resentments, that resentment, now that you see it with this information, you won't see it as a perception that self is what's defeating you. You'll see it as a projection from self. So the self from here is projecting threats. That's producing re-feelings of fear. Yes? Having resentments. Yeah? It's not something that's real and solid out there. It's a projection of mind when it's in self. One of its common manifestations through my lens when it's projecting its light, self, yes, is resentment. Then I go, okay, next thing is fear. So things aren't bringing me fear. I'm projecting fear out. And then I'm, then I'm finding, I'm seeing what triggers the fear and saying that's the source of my fear. It's you. You're causing me to be fearful. Yeah? But that is so delusional because it's a projection in a mind state. I'm identified with a certain mind state. It's tinting the light coming through this camera lens, this apparatus, this interface, and it's producing, it's projecting resentments, fears, 
and the desire to get something so bad that it's willing to harm other people. Yeah. And so by looking at the projection, at looking at the those things called resentment, fears, this and that, hopefully I can see they're projections from self. If you read it, self manifested in various ways. How does light manifest into a movie? It goes through a projector, yes? The light goes through a projection, hits a film that has certain digital numbers on it, and then boom, you see a movie. Yeah? So here you are, light is manifesting through us, it goes through our little film of, it's all about me, <laughs> self-centeredness, that tints the, the projection, and that's our movie. And we're taking it to be real and solid. Yet it's a projection from mind. Okay, wow, that's pretty fucking cool. Because I got the lens, I got the camera, there seems to be light. What would happen if I just took the lens off? Put it, not me, but maybe entertain that there's a possibility there could be a different color lens. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, where self-centeredness comes off. <laughs> it's not taken off by you, that would be selfing. But it can come off when you entertain you're not that. Now the light goes through a different set of lenses and it projects again. Yes, but what it projects isn't false evidence appearing real. It actually sheds light on the false evidence. So that you see false evidence as false evidence, which gives you what do you do next when you see something as false evidence? Nothing. There's no, it's, its ability to appear real is based on you seeing it as real. Once you see it as false, it has no ability to appear real. That's the good news. So you actually wake up, yeah? Now you're bright, now you're open, now you're awake, your mind is open, and now you're seeing, I'm not that. Yeah? To me, as soon as I recognize that I was not a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, I have no idea what I am, but I'm very clear I'm not that. As soon as I could entertain that, the next thing my mind could entertain, I can be free of it. I don't have to kill myself, I don't have to shoot myself up every fucking day to get relief from it. I can actually be free of it. Not by, because you're never going to be free by doing and having. Because when you're shooting up, it's going to be a feeling you're shooting up. When you're not shooting up, there'll be a feeling you're not shooting up. The you is the bondage. Yeah? This makes it worse. Yes? There's degrees of worse and better, but the bondage is the same. But if I'm not that, that's freedom. Because I don't have to be this. Yeah? There's no this to be. It's just a recognition, I'm not that. That's that. <laughs> At that point, I am what I am. Like Popeye, you know. I am what I am what I am. Then you can go on inf ad infinitum. I am what 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 I am. It never ends. So you start seeing, instead of being at the effect, you start seeing it. That's where the immunity lies. If you don't see it, the, you know, remember when we were out there using, we were on such a consequential level. You had no idea what was going on, did you? I didn't. I fucking, I mean, I'd go out on a Thursday night thinking I just wanted to have fun, yeah? So I went to a bar, shot some pool, drank some beers, copped some coke, did some coke, went to a club, ended up at 850 Bryant. Yeah, 12.31 o'clock. Got out maybe the next afternoon, which was Friday. Saturday, I go back out, do the exact same thing, and when I get arrested again, I'm totally surprised. How did this happen? 
How did I end up in jail Saturday night? You were just there Thursday night because you did the exact same thing. This stuff went over my head. I was on such a consequential level, I didn't know where the punches were coming from. <laughs> it was like living in a hallway of shit and fans. You know what I mean? The shit and the fans were aligning and the fans were turning on. And, the, and I always put my head, what's happening? <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, funny. so then I just hung out with people who had a lot of shit on their faces so we could just deny it. You know what I mean? But when we walked by people in the street, look at those people, all the shit on their faces. What a bunch of losers, but we thought we were cool. <laughs> it's totally delusional. That's the best you can do. It's unbearable to stop. It's unbearable. What happens if that all fell down? That would kill me. What would kill would not be you. But if you identify it as it, you live to protect it. You're taking its fears as your fears. It's unbelievable. Listen to people share and tell me it's not, they're not in the root of the problem. Everything, every manifestation of self in their life, they're calling it theirs. Oh, let me tell you about my fears I've been having, my resentments, my doing this. It's all my, 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 my. That's the activity. That's the activity. That's the verb of the disease. They may have called it a noun, the disease, but they're actively, while talking about the solution, they're actively in the problem. They're claiming every expression of self in their life as theirs. That's called the act of being identified. That's the pure diagnosis of disease. I don't care how many years you have or how many sponsees you have. At that point, alcoholism is dominant. You're claiming its expressions to be yours. That's being identified as self. Yeah? You're claiming its expressions to be yours. You cannot be more identified as self than that. You and I are claiming its expressions happening through our lives as mine. That's being identified as self. To me, that's the root of the problem. And I have a real strength in that conviction it is because I've entertained it and you'll know the tree by the fruit. I've had a nice long period of time traveling lighter in this life without going to retreats and signing up for the next super turbocharged extreme Buddhism or whatever. Though there's nothing wrong with any of that, but there's really there's no need for it in one sense. If you like doing it, it's great. But to do things out of a need creates a huge pressure. Yeah, I mean, it's very difficult to meditate with a huge amount of stress. <laughs> it's not like a it's not like a triathlon meditation. It's not like you know, uh, it's not like an extreme competition. It's really doing nothing. Yeah? And the head in selfing has to accrue value. It doesn't like doing nothing. Because it doesn't get anything out of it. Yeah? <laughs> so even it takes meditation, which is really the act of doing nothing, and makes it into something. So now you become spiritual based on doing that action. You can't fix an imaginary problem. You cannot fix it. All the fixing in the world just reinforces it's appearing to be real. You know, it's when it's seen to be an imaginary problem, there's really nothing to do about it. Because it's imaginary. <laughs> what would you do? <laughs> what could you, what, what solution, what strategy could you apply to an imaginary solution? <laughs> The application of the solution would 
reinforce the belief in the problem, yeah? So the more you try to get out of self, it's actually another form of being in self. Self can't get out of self. Just because we think what we believe is in and out doesn't mean that's in and out. <laughs> I think a lot of people getting out of self is being in self. Totally. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Everything here moves in two movements, yeah? Like breath, inhale, exhale, in and out, high, low, expansion, contraction. That's how mind works here. That's how it manifests. It manifests in a dualistic pattern, a binary pattern. So in and out are the same in a way. Being in self and being out of self are the same, uh, two sides of the same coin. You can't cut one side and get it to be a one-sided coin. There will always be two sides. Yeah? So in a way, let's say you and I sign up for a two-year two year intensive of how to deal with the obsession with self. That could actually be a form of being obsessed with self. <laughs> trying to get out of it for two years. You know how tricky it is? It just re, it regroups and claims everything. Because it's always going to be you either going to the meeting or not going to the meeting. <laughs> Each action has been claimed as the doer. Yeah. So I'm not doing the meditation anymore, or I'm doing the meditation. That's the bonding mechanism, not the thing you're doing in a sense, but the belief that you're the doer. The sense of being the doer of it is what bonds you to self. This reinforces the bonding, but the real bonding agent is the feeling of being the doer. Yeah? The feeling of being the haver. Like great master said, you don't have to give up your possessions, give up being the possessor. Yeah? It's the same principle he's talking about. It's not about giving everything up and then you are still there being held on to. <laughs> I'm the great one who gave up everything. <laughs> but the selfing hasn't been given up. Yeah. What's the point of getting rid of everything else and that's still in place? actually ruined my career as a circuit speaker in AA. <laughs> Everybody likes me when I share meetings where they come to this one. No, no. It's a little too much. <laughs> it was a bad career choice. <laughs> well, what's one to do, yeah? <laughs> you can only come from where you're coming from. I tried, I swear. They had me signed up to do a big big book study, and the first day it, it was obvious it wasn't going to work out. <laughs> I just want to go to this because it's such a, you know, I love AA, but this, in a way, see, for me, AA is an incredible way of functioning here. And many of us, a lot of our difficulty is functioning. We can't live life on life's terms, yes? AA is an incredible way to sort of set a lot of that uh, 
irrational functioning into a form of functioning. And this understanding is just to illuminate what that functioning produces, which is a really big foundation for anything that they built on. Instead of having it being destroyed all the time, you let it go and it really flattens out and it gets to be a solid foundation. And then from that foundation of your life not being as crazy as it used to be, you can really truly entertain yeah. you know, the possibilities. And then you can go, I go to meetings more than I ever did, and I just sit there and I sense a presence in the room. Just like it says in Tradition 5 that there's a loving God that's going to express itself through our group conscience. That's what happens. You just sense a presence. And if you took everyone individually, we're all assholes, yeah? But when we get together, it produces like a sweet perfume in a sense. Because something other than us in selfing is using this opportunity to express what it is. Just like self manifests or expresses what it is through us, something else will also express to us. Yeah? If we're willing to surrender the idea of being a self, because being the idea of being a self is the initial statement of playing God by the mind. Yeah? And in our program it says the whole how and why of this whole program, which is a comprehensive view of the program, is to stop playing God, to quit playing God. What is selfing doing but playing God? It's telling you what you're like, what you were like, what you're going to be like, what they're like, what they were like. You wake up in the morning and it tries to tell you how the day's going to be. Doesn't it? Oh, fuck it. It's going to suck today. And then we just, we leave that and we just shut down. Because the system loves to be right, too. So even if stuff starts happening that day, proves you wrong, you blind to it. Because you've got an intention, it has an intention to be right about its forecast. It's going to have to suck. So when you don't go out and you just roll around and you've got a, a mind that's like plays judge, it is going to suck. Because you're going to be saying, I should be doing something else. It's terrible to be doing something and yet be listening to your head that's saying you should be doing something else. <laughs> that's, one of the most, that's one of the most consistent mental hells that's there. You're actually somewhere, but your head's telling you you should be somewhere else. <laughs> and you're actually believing it. <laughs> It can't transport you there, but it can think about it. <laughs> That's how, how much is that happening? Isn't that amazing? Let's say you work really hard to go do some skateboarding at some perfect hill or something. or You go to a beach, but you can't even enjoy it because your mind's saying, well, I should be doing something else. <laughs> what do you mean? I've been planning this for two years. Now you're telling me I should be doing something else. Every time I was doing something else, you were telling me I should be doing this. Now I'm finally doing it. Now you're saying I should be doing something else. <laughs> There's no fucking peace, is there? It's agitated. That's its, that's its peace for it, is agitation. Because that gives it a sense of being something. It's constantly agitated. So it takes you and presents you somewhere else at some other time. That's what it does, yes? If the mind, the mind system takes you to be a body, yeah? It now can take this object that it's fixated on, and it can send it somewhere in time, somewhere else, at some other time, and what does it do? It thinks about it. Yeah. Then it projects it into the future and really thinks about it, and thinks about what could happen to it, and what might not happen to it, and what that would mean if it does happen to it, and what it's going to mean if it doesn't happen to it, and it just selfing, 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 selfing everywhere. And it can take, it can think about you at any time, any other place, because it projects you as a body. You couldn't do that as a spirit. 
you would see the spirit of the past, the space of this. You can't say, I've seen this space before. I saw this in a hallway in New York five years ago. No, the space is always like the same space, yeah? So how are you going to project this space and be worried about it five years from now? You can only do that with a body. You can't think about space. All you can do is sense it. But you can think about an object like this. So if your system, its life is by thinking, if that's its activity, if that's what it's called, its breathing is to think about you. Yes? If that's it, to give it life would become a, let give it a fixed object so it can fixate on it. And what better way to fixate on an object than to call it me? All right? Let's say me tomorrow. Wow. It's really important what happens to me tomorrow. You can't ask what happens to Deb, because she's not me. But me is very important. So it's so important I'm going to think about it. <laughs> truth about the problem, yes? Something shifted really good since last week, and it has helped with 12 steps stuff. And it, it builds on something that's shifted over a bunch of weeks to come, which is something slowed down enough to realize that whatever the thing is making what I call my thoughts, and the thing making what I call my feelings aren't the same thing. I always assume they were. But the feeling maker seems to have a whole world view of its own down there. Big opinions on things like whether I have any self or the right to live. Like if I go down that I don't have the right to be on this earth. And that's why, well, I heard it on good authority years ago by someone that knew and told me over and over, you know, that kind of stuff. Yes. What shifted since last week is, for a long time, been, like trying to send a message out there, hey, don't take that so seriously, we're all right. So it's like I tell myself we're all right. <laughs> yes. And what shifted since last week is now it's telling me that we're all right. And it's just really weird to see it flip. Yeah, good. The down that cold. But that's yeah. what drove a lot of the stuff that got me in the 12 steps. Yeah, it's like a contraction, yeah? That's what selfing is. It's a contraction. Yeah? And it's a very long contraction. So it can be a very long, take a long time to expand again, yeah? So it contracts, and it seems to do it over a long period of time here. And if you know anything about mind, when something scares it or anything, let's say it's it, the mind is these six windows, Yeah? So let's say something's coming out at it, and so something scares it. So what it does, all the windows get drawn, yeah? And when, they, when the mind closes down, it's very difficult for it to open back up. It's very easy for it to close, but it's not easy for it to open, yeah? So it closes, and that's that, basically. And maybe one little thing, maybe one little, if it would have just come, went down halfway in one window, it would have been more than enough. But all the windows close, and now none of them can go back up. Yeah? That's what happens. So it's always contracting, always reinforcing, contracting, 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 contracting. And the imitation is expanding, expanding, you know. But no, the mind wants to be right. No. And then life is going, come out. No. Come out. No. Out. No. (laughs) I'm right. You're scary. I'm right. I'm safe in here. Even if it's misery, I love it. Yeah. 
that. So this is, you get a sense of, like it says in recovery, you'll have a new attitude and a new outlook, a new happiness, a new freedom. I'm not, it's what, something a better attitude, whatever, but a new freedom, a new happiness. He uses all these wor- words to sort of denote, connote, like a whole new modality. Yeah? It's not going to be a type of happiness you're used to or thinking what happiness was. It's going to be a whole new kind of happiness, a whole new freedom. A whole new attitude and outlook on life, yeah? As if the, the, the shopping in this old system is going to stop and you're going to get something going to shop for you in another system and bring you what all these were like phantom substitutes for, you'll get the real thing, like a real sense of okayness, not by wearing $800 worth of clothes, which are nice, but a sense of okayness. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Any questions tonight? No. What's modality? Is that like a system? Yes, like a system, yes, yeah. You know, let's say you can say a no bigger level like a paradigm, yeah? Or paradigm shift. Modalities are little aspects of a paradigm, yeah. So. But you see mind is mind is like um in in Tibetan Buddhism they would call it like open sky, yeah. The mind is like an open sky. It's meant to sort of, for me, to signify that, let's say, we always use the example of the sky and there's Fourth of July explosions. Does the sky ever get ripped open? No, right? And when it rains, the sky doesn't get wet. The earth gets wet. The the appearance gets wet. And planes never call back to the terminal saying they ran into a big block of sky, you know. They're just moving through and birds and everything. There's tons of shit happening all day in the sky. But for all intents and purposes, they don't have any effect on the sky itself. Yeah? The sky is like spacious. That's what mind is like. Yeah? Mind is spacious. Its nature, in one form, they would say, the nature of it, or its essence, is emptiness. Yes, Emptiness, just whatever. You know? Its nature is to reflect. It has the ability to reflect, which is what's happening here. Yeah? Mind through being conscious is reflecting objects. Yeah. You're having an experience of things, and then its its activity is manifestation is energy. So mind manifests here energetically or vibrationally. Yeah, like this finding out in quantum physics, everything is energy. The nature of mind is to reflect. Yeah, and then the essence is emptiness, like great open sky. What it's reflecting now, let's say is a mental process called selfing, yeah? Because somehow or another, the mind has become identified with what it was reflecting, yeah? So the mental process presented what I am to be a body. The mind has reflected that, and now it's not clear anymore, yeah? It's sort of like its ability to reflect has like a, your face painted on it. There's a distortion now. So you're reflecting everything, but we reflect everything now as how it pertains to us. Yeah? We reflect everything in a self-centered manner. Whatever goes out, it, no matter how many things I meet and everything, they all become back to this as the center. Yeah? I'm the thinker of every thought. Give me a break. 
You know what I mean? You can't even take a shit when you want to, can you? But you can actually sit here and believe that you're the thinker of every thought. A subtle activity is that. You can't even take a physical shit, and yet you think you're the thinker of the thoughts? Give me a freaking break. Like crazy. It's a huge, crazy assumption. There's an ability. The mind is reflecting activity. But we are an activity that's taking itself to be the one that's reflecting. Yeah? It's called self-centeredness. And it's creating a distortion, obviously. Mind's going crazy, isn't it? This huge amount of energy and light is now being centered on one little aspect, you. Everything that ever happens and doesn't happen refers back to you. <laughs> That's a huge... It's like a giant vacuuming of the whole universe of possibilities going back to you. It's way too much juice. Any uh, no more questions? That's good.